Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Amen. Well, I'm so grateful to get to be here at Crossroads. Golly, Larry, everywhere I go, I want you to come and do my introduction. I tell you what, I feel a whole lot smarter just getting up here. Uh, I've already heard some good preaching this morning. I always get to listen to uh, different uh, pastors, and this morning, I listened to last week's message. And so I'm glad you're feeling better, and uh, good to hear that. But I am just grateful for the partnership I've been able to uh, enjoy with you. But I will tell you, the best benefit I've had with this church has been Larry and Vicki. Because I'll tell you, Paul and I would tell you that when Larry and Vicki are your friends, you're being friended. And hard times, good times, anytime, good friends. So thank you. It's, it's just a tremendous blessing. Really appreciate you. Uh, I love getting to talk about gratitude. I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful that you know how to say thank you. I'm glad that tonight you're going to gather and you're going to have over 200 plus volunteers come together as a way for this church to say to them, thank you. Because gratitude changes the way that you live your life. Gratitude tremendously impacts the way you see things. I think about that when I think about the Apostle Paul because of all the people in the New Testament, if you'll go through the writings of Paul, you're going to find that Paul talked about the word gratitude or expressing thankfulness more than anybody else in the New Testament. Matter of fact, in the book of Philippians chapter 1, where we'll begin today, in Philippians, as you look at the book, you're going to find that 14 times Paul literally either says, thankful, be thankful, I am thankful. It's a book that is full of thanks. And so I want to ask you, how important, how important do you think gratitude, expressing gratitude, really is? How important do you think it is? Uh, there was a study done by this by Adam Grant and Francesca Gino of the Wharton School of Business and Harvard University in which they took a group of graduate students that were going to go into the job market and they recruited executives to help them with their cover letters so that they could send them out for potential jobs. They followed that up with a note and in the note they asked if they would help them with a second letter. Of all the ones that participated, 32% of the executives said, yes, I'll help you. But the students who included one simple line in their note that said, your help meant so much to me, thank you. I mean, your help meant so much to me, thank you so much for assisting me. The number of executives who came back to said they would help rose from 32% to more than 65%. Because somebody said thank you. How important is gratitude for you? How important is it for you to receive it? I thought about that when I saw another uh, study that was done of 2,000 American workers in which they asked them how important gratitude was in their life. 80% of them said that when somebody they worked with expressed gratitude to them or their supervisor expressed gratitude to them or a customer expressed gratitude toward them, that they wanted to work harder because they were appreciated. They asked that same group of people, how many times do you express gratitude? And less than 10% said they ever really expressed gratitude to anybody. 
at their job. You know why? The number one reason they cited was, if I express gratitude, I think somebody's going to take advantage of me. So I'm not going to do it. Gratitude. How important is gratitude in our lives? If you look with me in Philippians chapter 1, you're going to find that Paul wanted to say thank you. That he was a grateful person because of their ministry, because of who they were, and because of the value this church had in his life. And so I just want to ask you as you look in Philippians 1 with me to think about a couple of questions. One is, do you consider yourself to be a grateful person? Do you think that you're grateful? And maybe more importantly, do the people who know you best think you're a grateful person? Have you ever thought about just on the ride home saying, well, honey, do you think I'm grateful? That could be an interesting conversation. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at a man who was grateful. As a matter of fact, if you were to take the book of Philippians and just read it like a big thank you note, you would find it contains all the elements of a great thank you note. It is timely, it's specific, and it's personal. And Paul says, I want to thank you. Matter of fact, Philippians 1.3, he says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And there are three things as you go through the book of Philippians that stick out to you about being a grateful person. The very first one is this. Paul says, just overall, I just want to say this. I am thankful for you. I am thankful for you. He says to them, literally, every time I think of you, I am grateful. The memory of you is like a memorial to me of God's goodness. I am just so grateful for you. And I think about that, and I think about the way that the Apostle Paul would say, these people, they have spoken into my life in such a way, they have impacted me in such a way, that just thinking about them makes me grateful. And I don't want to, do you have anybody in your life like that? Do you have anybody that when you think about them, you just find that you're just grateful for them? I hope if you have somebody like that and you're married that they're you're next to you. You may want to be careful not asking, well, honey, am I that person for you? Okay, but Valentine's Day's coming. You got a shot. But the reality is, he said, man, when I think about you, I just well up with gratitude. I want to ask you, is there anybody in your life that when you think about them, just think about them, you go, wow, God, thank you that you put them in my life. Of course, I also think, is there anybody thinking that about me? Am I living my life in such a way that I'm that memory for someone else? He said, I'm thankful for you based on just the memory of you, but I'm also thankful for you because of the partnership that we share together. It says in verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you all. You know, Paul had to be Southern. He uses you all more than almost anybody in the Scripture too. He says, I thank for you all, making my prayer with joy because of partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He said, listen, you folks didn't just cheer for me. You worked for me. And you worked with me. Larry mentioned that there's a small football game that's going to take place this afternoon. 
pretty important to some people. I think it's pretty important. I'm going to watch it. And I thought about that last night as I was watching the news, and I, and I met the Irbys through TV. And the Irbys are a, I mean, they're fans of the Texans. I mean, they're serious fans. They have not missed one game in five years. And they weren't going to miss this one. And even though flights got canceled and things happened, but they did get on that special United flight that went out, the Irby family had already made a plan to rid of Suburban, have put provisions in it, and they were going to drive all night to be at that game. I'd say that's a serious fan. And you know something? It's great to have wonderful fans. And any of us that have ever played a sport knows that fans contribute in a significant way in the way that we perceive the game and our performance. But I will tell you this, there's not going to be one time today in that game, I don't care how hard it gets, there's not going to be one time that the coach is going to turn around and look up and say, hey, can you kick? <laughs> you yell really good, could you come snap the ball? Now there's people on the fans' base that think they can, Right? Those are always the people I get to sit by. <laughs> Loudmouth, opinionated, and they won't sit down. But the very nature of the football game is, is we put the very best players we have that have trained, that have gotten ready, that are prepared, and they're on the field, and they're the ones that do the work and demonstrate the skill. And as a fan, I participate in the game by cheering them on. I want you to hear something. That is not the way it works in church. That is not the way God created His church to be. He didn't create the church just so that a few people do the heavy lifting. He didn't create it so just a few people are the ones that step up. Paul said, listen, you didn't just clap and cheer me on. You got on the field. You walked with me. You worked with me. And we saw God do some amazing things because you stepped out in faith. You made the difference. And no church can be what God wants it to be if only the preacher or only the staff or only the few do what they need to do. It has to be all of us serving where God wants us to serve. As a matter of fact, I just want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this church family and who's sitting in the room amongst you. I want you to think about the people that serve on the pastor search committee. Think about the people who serve on the various teams. Think about the people who serve on the committees. Think about the people that teach the ABFs. Think about the ones that received you in guest services. Think about the ones that welcomed you and waved you to a parking spot. Think about the ones that were ready to give you direction on where you were to go to find your ABF. Think about the ones that greeted you inside your ABF, the ones that serve as ABF teachers. Think about the ones that wanted to make sure that tonight that people are served in an appropriate and kind way. Think about all the people it takes. I just want to ask you a question. If you serve in this church in any of the capacities, but you serve in this church. Could you just stand for a second? Just stand for just a minute. I don't care if you're passing out bulletins, collecting change, or rolling nickels. Just stand for just a minute. And can we just look around for a moment? And can we just say, thank you. We appreciate you. We do. You may be seated. And let me just tell you something. If you found yourself sitting and looking at someone else standing, I want you to know they'd like to invite you to join them. They've got a place for you. Now, it's, it's true that there are times where we go through seasons where we're not there to serve, that we are there to receive. But if your season has been 
Well, as long as it's taking for the Texans to get to this point, it's just too long. You say, well, I've been hurt in church. Guess what? You can be healed here too. It's time to move on. And I will tell you, nothing, nothing transforms your heart faster than serving and seeing God work in somebody's life because you chose to be faithful. Paul said, I am grateful for you because of your partnership in the gospel. I'm also thankful for you because of the confidence I have in your continued growth. Paul said, when I look at you, I know. I know you're going to grow. He said in verse 6, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was their biggest fan. He was their strongest supporter. He was their prayer partner. He said, when I look at you, I know what God has started in you. God's going to finish in you. I can see it in you. I know. And you know, don't we all need people in our lives that see us that way? Don't we need people that can look at us and say, I know that you're at that bump, but you need to know God's got a future for you. I know that this may be a moment of struggle, but he has got a lifetime of opportunity in front of you because I see in you the goodness of God and what he wants to achieve. We, we all need people about that. We all need people that are encouragers in our life. I just want to ask you, who's in your life that you're an encourager? Who comes to mind? Who, who is it that sends you the note, picks up the phone, makes a call? Who is the one that stops you in the hallway? Who is the one that when they see you, their face lights up? Who is the one that wants to make sure that they tell you that you're valued? Who is that encourager for you? I, I, I'm a note writer. I write a lot of notes. I used to think I was pretty good at note writing because I wrote, well, close to a thousand or more notes a, a year. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. And then I read the story this year of Sheldon Yellen, Yellen the CEO of Belfort Holdings, a, a, a company that does restoration when there are floods or, or there are other kinds of disasters. And with more than 7,000 employees, he handwrites a Christmas card to each one of them. And then he does birthday cards, and he does other notes of encouragement. Matter of fact, he writes close to 10,000 notes a year. He commits one hour a day just to writing notes. In his travels, his checked on bags, there is note writing paper. So that when he's on the plane, he's writing notes. And I'm going to tell you, if a CEO, one of the largest companies that does property restoration, can take time to write a note to that many employees, I can say thank you for something someone else did for me. One of my normal routines on a Sunday is to stop and say, God, who do I need to say thank you to? What did I see this week that somebody did or someone said? What, what did I see in someone's life today that I just need to write them a note and say, I saw this, or thank you for this, or hey, it's going to be okay. Because God wants us to be encouragers. I asked you, who encourages you? I'll ask you a different question. Who are you encouraging? Who are you encouraging in your family? Who are you encouraging at your workplace? Who do you encourage at school? Who do you encourage in your life? Because I will tell you, they're there for you to speak a word into. 
They're right there in front of you. He says, I'm thankful for you for thinking about you. I'm thankful for you because I'm confident of what God's going to do in you. But I'm also thankful for your sharing in my life struggles. He said in verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Remember, Paul is writing them from prison. And he's saying, even when my life got hard, you stayed faithful. Even when others might criticize where I'm at and what I'm walking through, you were there for me. You have sent gifts. You have sent encouragement. He said, you were there not just when things were easy and there were some amazing things happening, like the throwing open of the doors so that I could just walk out of prison and I could literally lead my jailer to Christ and baptize he and his family. It wasn't just the miracles that you gathered and celebrated. You walked with me when it got hard. And I will tell you, the Reality is you really find out who people are in your life when you go through hard times. Man, I will tell you that when you can bless others, you can get a crowd. When you are a struggling, you don't always get much of a crowd. And God has called us to walk with people when things are going well, and He has called us not to fall away from them when they're walking through struggle. And Paul said, you have been true. You have been true to me, and you have been faithful, and I am grateful. Because one of the marks, frankly, of a healthy church is that we don't just embrace people when they're doing well. We don't just celebrate people when they're uh, somehow checking the boxes that we think they ought to be checking. But when they struggle, we're with them. When they're hurting, we cry with them. When they're waffling, we steady them. What we never do is ask them to walk alone. I'll tell you, in this church family, if you're walking alone, you're trying to hide. I'll tell you, this is a church where I've seen again and again and again people have been brought in, loved on, encouraged, have been stood with. And this is a church family that will be there for you. Sometimes we get like the woman that got upset with her, her pastor and came up to her pastor and said, Pastor, I'm mad you didn't visit me in the hospital. He said, well, where, where were you in the hospital? She said, three weeks ago. And he looked at her and said, did your doctor know you were in the hospital? Yes. Did the hospital know you were in the hospital? She goes, yeah, I got the bill right here. He said, did you tell anybody in this church you were going to the hospital? Well, no, but you should have known. And I will tell you, there's some of us, we walk around in church, if we're not careful, expecting that people somehow can read our countenance and figure out what, exactly what's happening. And I will tell you, that's the psychic hotline. That's not real life. Here, we need you to be transparent. Here, we need you to say, my daughter left Friday night, and I still don't know where she is. Here, we need you to say, my heart is heavy because I came home to an empty apartment. Here, we need you to reveal what God is letting you walk through so we can walk with you. Now, if we pass you in the hallway in your crime, we're going to take that as a clue. Even me can figure that out. But if you're walking alone in this church, it's because you're trying to. God wants you not to walk alone. And Paul says, you know, you never made me walk alone. 
Paul said, I'm grateful for you. But Paul says something beyond that. I'm not just grateful for you. Paul said, I also will say this. I'm grateful for my circumstances. I'm grateful for the moment I'm in. I'm grateful for the reality I'm facing. I am grateful that in prison, God is faithful. I am grateful. I'm grateful for my circumstances because the gospel is being proclaimed. What does he say in verse 12? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, others for goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition and without sincerity, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul said, I don't care if you're preaching the gospel to hurt me or help me. Just don't fail to tell the truth about the gospel. He says, some of you are preaching the gospel because you think by repeating the gospel, you're able to somehow show how ludicrous I am and bring me more problems. Others of you are preaching the gospel because you're in love with Jesus and you want to share the gospel. And Paul said, let me tell you where I fall on this. Whether you want to help me or you're trying to hurt me, just preach Jesus. And don't get the gospel wrong. Don't get it wrong that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would what? Not perish, but could have eternal life. Paul said, just don't get the details wrong. Make sure people hear a clear and real gospel because what Paul cared about more than anything else was not to get distracted by peripheral things, not get disoriented, but to stay on point. It's always been, it always will be about Jesus and Jesus only. The gospel. He wanted to know very simply, does this help the kingdom of God advance? I think about that and I will tell you more than once I've told God thank you so much you put Paul in prison thank you for letting him be arrested thank you for these letters written from prison because two of the saddest phrases for me personally that I read in scripture are found at the end of the book of 2nd John and 3rd John they're almost identical phrases and John writes this to them he says I have so much more that I would say to you but I would prefer to say it in person and he doesn't write further. And I think about those chapters I find in 1 John and all the things I learned about God through reading the book of 1 John and how there's layer after layer of truth. And then I get to 2 John and 3 John and it's just blip, blip, short books. Because he wanted to talk in person. God allowed Paul to be put in prison so we could get seven letters we wouldn't have otherwise. And because of that, I have the letter in my Bible to Ephesians, and I have Philippians, and I have Colossians, I have 1 and 2 Timothy, I have Titus, I have Romans. Because he allowed Paul to be in prison. And think about what life could be like if we didn't have Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where Martin Luther read over 500 years ago, the just shall live by faith. 
and the Protestant Reformation began. Or Romans 8, 1, there is now what? No condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Or later in Romans 8, verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wouldn't have that. You wouldn't have that. But because he was in prison, and he wrote a letter, we have it. You may think the circumstances you're in are just about you. I will tell you the circumstances you're in are so is so that God can bring glory in spite of them and through them to his name and to impact someone else's life. Paul says, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for prison. I'm grateful that in the midst of this, I see God's hand through this. I am thankful for my circumstances because I know this, my deliverance is coming. He says, yes, and I will rejoice, verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will not turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager, or will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, let me explain this to you as clear as I can if i'm still here it's to the glory of god if he takes me in death it's to the glory of god whether i'm alive whether i'm dead it's all good for me because i am in jesus i am grateful for my circumstances i'm grateful for my deliverance because i trust and know my god and he is faithful you see, if I start walking in life where I think it's all about me instead of all about him, it changes my perspective. Paul says, let me tell you, gratitude, gratitude is an important perspective to have. But gratitude always comes because we make a choice. If you don't hear anything else I have to say to you today, please hear that. Gratitude is a choice. Some of us say, no, gratitude is the result of good circumstances. Gratitude is the result of blessing. Gratitude is the result of things going well. Gratitude is a, uh, no, no, no. Paul would say very quickly, listen, gratitude is, has nothing to do with your circumstances being perfect because remember, he's penning this epistle from a, from a prison. It's not about everything being perfect. It's about being inside the perfect one. He said it's a choice. It's a choice that I make in my life and how do I show that choice? The first, I show that choice by the way I live. I show that choice by the way I live. Philippians 2.17, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And Paul says, I'm going to live my life as a giver, not a taker. I have made the choice to live my life as a giver not a taker. He says, 
my life is being poured out upon you like what? A drink offering. Now, there are two times that Paul uses the metaphor of drink offering in Scripture. One is at the end of 2 Timothy when he talks about drink offering in the sense of I'm pouring my life out as it was near his death. He said, just like a drink offering is poured out, can never be recovered. That's how I'm pouring out my life. But here, he's not talking about his death. What he's referring to is something they would have been aware of, which was within the temple sacrifices that were giving, given on a regular basis, a part of those sacrifices was the drink offering. And the drink offering, by prescription of size and type, would be this amount of wine that would be poured out over the sacrifice, whether it's the burnt offering to others, as a way of being part of that aroma that lifted up before God. And Paul said, my life is being poured out over your life. So that your spiritual act of worship, your spiritual acts of obedience are being enhanced. I'm giving myself over to you so that you can grow in Christ. I'm giving myself so that you may know him more. I'm giving myself and I'm pouring myself out because you have such great value. And I will tell you that the people that serve this church, Pastor Larry and the other staff and your ABF teachers and the others, they're pouring their life out onto you. So that what God wants to do in you can be done in such a way that it brings him the greatest glory. He said, I choose to live my life as a giver, not a taker. But he also made another choice, and that was he chose what he was going to let his mind focus on. He chose on what he would think about. Philippians 4, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, Paul, if anybody you read in the New Testament, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, could say, listen, life's not been real fair. I mean, because I have followed Christ, I've been in prison more than anybody else. I have been beaten to the place that they thought I was dead. I've had my life in such risk that they had to lower me through a window on the outside wall for me to get away. I have known what it is to be shipwrecked. I have known what it is to face the cold. I've known what it is to be hungry. I have known all these things. And I will tell you, in spite of all those things, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one I love. Because his focus wasn't on the hardship, his focus was on the one who gave his life on the cross. Paul was aware of what he went through. Paul was fully aware of what it cost. But Paul would say to you and I today, there is nothing that I have ever experienced, nothing I have ever gone through, nothing that compares to the all-surpassing greatness of knowing Him. Whether it's in life or in death, Jesus. I am so grateful for Jesus. Paul made the choice to express his gratitude. 
And I just ask you on this day in which we celebrate volunteers and we celebrate all that are part of this church family, I just want to ask you, how are you doing in showing gratitude? You know the most important, the most important gratitude you can ever express? Uh, let me tell you, the most important, if you've ever done this, it'll be the most important time in your life to say you're grateful, would be for you, if you've not made the decision to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, to receive Him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. For you to say, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you died on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that, you came into, that you'll come into my heart and forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If I just in faith will receive you and your finished work in my life, that is the greatest moment of gratitude you're ever going to have. Have you accepted Christ that way? Have you embraced Him as your Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't today, when Pastor Larry's here in just a moment at the front, he'd love to talk to you about knowing His Jesus. But I want to ask you one other question. Who do you need to say thank you to? Who do you need to say, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. Is there somebody that is in this room you need to say you're thankful to? Is there somebody you're about to see when you go to your ABF you need to say you're thankful to? Is there somebody that you need to pick up the phone and you need to say I'm thankful to? Is there somebody that you need to go this week or maybe you have somebody that you can't say thank you to them because they're gone? Let me tell you. Start thanking the people that are here. Choose to be a grateful person. Choose to demonstrate gratitude. Choose to live a grateful life. Will you bow your heads with me? As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, we're in this moment, just you and I, before the Lord. And we're asking Him to bring to mind who do we need to say thank you to? It could be a teacher from long ago. It could be a Bible study teacher. It could be a former pastor of yours. It could be someone that's in this room. But the reality is there's a family member. There's maybe a former boss that in some ways they were so hard to work with, but they taught you things you needed to learn. And you've never said thank you. And we need to step forward and say, I want to say thanks. I'm going to say thanks today. I'm going to take that next step of showing gratitude. But if you're here today and you've never thanked God for the cross of Jesus Christ, you have never thanked Him by embracing His Son as your Lord and Savior, then today that is how you're called to express gratitude. Because the cross and the saving nature of Christ doesn't come because we earn it. But like a gift, we receive it and we're thankful for it. Lord Jesus, here we are. Speak to our hearts. Give us the courage to be a people of gratitude and help those of us that are here today that don't know you, Jesus, to take that first step 
so that we might enter eternity grateful for the cross. For we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand with me as Pastor Larry comes to the front?